Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. This is another show from the Mamma Mia Podcast Network, the number one women's podcast network in the world. If you're listening at the supermarket, go down the lolly aisle. Treat yourself. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I just watched Trump's statement. Um, All right. Well, let's get to that in a second. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. It's been going on for a long time in our country. Not Donald Trump, not Barack Obama. It's been going on for a long, long time. To anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Welcome to Tell Me It's Going to Be Okay, the podcast for people who are freaking out about having Nazis and white supremacists marching loudly and proudly in the streets of an American town called Charlottesville. It's August 15 and two days after a woman was murdered by a 20-year-old white supremacist who rammed his car into a crowd of peace protesters in an act of domestic terrorism, Donald Trump has finally, reluctantly, condemned it. We are equal in the eyes of our creator. We are equal under the law. And we are equal under our constitution. A bit like when your child hits their sibling and you make them apologise. About as convincing as that and, you know, with about the same amount of sincerity. To break down what the hell is going on, I called my co-host Amelia Lester to talk us through it. First of all, can you tell us what actually happened? What caused this protest in the beginning? So all over the south of the United States, there are statues celebrating the Confederate army from the Civil War era. And a lot of cities are seeking to take down these statues now because their argument is that they represent um, traitors to the Union, quite literally, because the Confederates were fighting to leave the United States. Um, and that they're also that the Confederates were also racist because, um, in part, they were defending slavery by going to war with the North um, in the Civil War. Because they didn't so want to give up their um, African, their black slaves. And that's right. So, so these symbols, the the Confederate flag and the symbols of the statues in different parks are very upsetting to African-Americans, is, is that right? And anyone who believes in that slavery is not a good idea. Yeah, and also there's an, there's an argument that, that, that they're unpatriotic, right? Because these people, in addition to defending slavery, wanted to leave the United States. Right. They wanted to say, we don't want to be part of this project of the United States. So is there wide so, support for getting rid of these statues and, and not having the Confederate flag flying above buildings? There's wide support for it, but there's also a lot of very vocal people who say that, well, who who claim that this is revisionist history and that to take down these statues is to attempt to erase what actually happened. 
And so this all came to a head in Charlottesville last week, as it has, by the way, in many other American cities. So, for example, New Orleans recently took down a statue of the same guy whose statue was being taken down in Charlottesville. That, that guy is Confederate General Robert E. Lee, who was pretty much the worst of the worst when it came to Confederate generals. And when his statue was taken down in New Orleans, they had to take it down in the middle of the night on an unannounced date because they knew they were getting threats from white supremacists that they were going to bring their guns and that they were going to threaten the people taking the statue down. So, so in Charlottesville, they said they were going to take the statue down. So a protest was organized by by who? So basically the University of Virginia, um, which is which is where the statue is, is also has a very fraught um, history regarding slavery because it was founded by Thomas Jefferson, who um, was a president of the United States, but was also a slave owner. So there's already um, a lot of tensions involved in Virginia around slavery and in particular around the University of Virginia. So the, the city announced they were taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee in this park. And then white nationalists announced that they were going to come to the University of Virginia campus last Friday night and protest the taking down of the statue. They were greeted there by members of what is sometimes called Antifa, um, a resistance group, which is made up of a number of different groups. There are socialists and there are labor organizers and there are Black Rights Matter protesters. And they met the white nationalists on the campus and then uh, a brawl broke out. So th- the footage that I've seen, that, that many people have seen, are... Uh um, sort of young, clean-cut millennial guys with sort of short haircuts and preppy collared shirts, some of them carrying Confederate flags, some of them carrying Nazi flags with swastikas emblazed on them. Yes, yeah, so just just as the resistance is sort of a motley crew of different groups, mm-hmm. the white nationalists also came from a bunch of different places and a bunch of different groups. It was all organised by a pro-white activist, that's what he calls himself, um, called Jason Kessler. Um, and people have noted that this was the most explicitly fascist moment in the history of the so-called alt-right movement, which has developed since Donald Trump basically came to prominence. Under the encouragement of Stephen Bannon. But but what was what was stunning, and many people have commented that, that you know, there were Ku Klux Klan people without their hoods. I mean, that there used to be some sense of mm-hmm. shame and secrecy. People would do this in private, but these people were, were very openly happy to be identified with these with these racist flags and these chanting these racist slogans like they were chanting um white lives matter uh, black lives don't matter um you will not replace us jews will not replace us so it escalated some some people came out to oppose them and then one of the the members of these this white nationalist group got in his car and ran into the protesters the report coming from the Washington go, 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 Post, at least six pedestrians that you see there were struck along the route oh of that white nationalist march, and witnesses say it was absolutely intentional what we saw unfold there. And killing one woman who was a paralegal who was out to protest the white supremacists. What a 32-year-old woman. Yeah, called Heather Heyer, I think her name was. It's worth pointing out also how scary they looked because, of course, they were all carrying these enormous machine guns. So 
that really added to the sense of menace. They came armed and by all accounts, they were organizing themselves in a sort of pseudo-military fashion. They came in a phalanx shape and then they, they moved in a formation that seemed very militaristic carrying large automatic weapons. What's so hard to understand here is uh, in in parts of the world that aren't America, in fact, is the idea that um, Virginia is an open carry state, which means not only are you allowed to have machine guns, you can openly carry them. And here's a fun fact. 48 states are open carry states. I had no idea it was that high. So Donald Trump is on his working vacation. He's very quick to tweet in all sorts of situations. What did he say and how did he bring the country together after this tragedy? So from the golf course, he condemned what he called this egregious display of hatred, bigotry and violence on many sides, on many sides. And what people found shocking about that was the equivalence of neo-Nazis carrying automatic weapons who want to exterminate um, ethnicities that they don't like with people who want universal health care and for people not to be racist. Right. So the people protesting this shocking racism, he was saying that their behaviour is equal to the people who are carrying the flags with the machine guns. Okay. What was telling is how the white supremacists viewed Trump's statement. Right. So Trump was obviously being very careful. Let's just call it what it is. He's being careful because these people are his base. They voted for him. Right. And in fact, a number of people were photographed at the rally wearing his um, signature red um, baseball cap that says Make America Great Again. And also a number of them were dressed in what has come to be thought of as sort of the Trump signature outfit, which is the ill-fitting khakis, Um, with a belt and with a white polo shirt tucked in. So none of that is accidental. These people were calling Trump out quite explicitly in what they were wearing. And in fact, when he released that statement, the neo-Nazis celebrated. So for example, um, David Duke, who is often identified as a former Ku Klux Klan grand wizard, um, released a statement on Saturday saying, we are going to fulfill the promises of Donald Trump. That's what we believed in. That's what we voted for. And then the Daily Stormer, which is um, a neo-Nazi website, celebrated those words of Trump's. They said Trump's comments were good. He didn't attack us. That's what they wrote on their blog. No condemnation at all. When asked to condemn, he just walked out of the room. Really, really good. God bless him. So the reaction, he was obviously called out by the media, um, by many people, but many people in the Republican Party condemned him. Marco Rubio, a lot of them came out and condemned him, right? Yeah, which, well, not condemned Trump, but um, it was notable that um, a number of um, prominent Republicans did come out with with clearer statements saying that Nazis walking in the street is a bad thing. So, for example, Paul... (laughs) Nazis bad, just to clarify, because the president didn't. Yeah, exactly. Paul Ryan, who's the Speaker of the House, who has thus far refused to condemn anything Trump has said, tweeted, the views fueling the spectacle in Charlottesville are repugnant. Let it only serve to unite Americans against this kind of vile bigotry, which is fine as far as it goes. Although you'll note that in that in that tweet, the views fueling the spectacle, it's all very carefully phrased. Yeah. John McCain, who of, of course is um, a senator from Arizona and is more well known for his resistance to Trump, his Republican also tweeted, white supremacists aren't patriots, they're traitors, which is exactly the sentiment. So then after Trump made those initial statements, the the White House tried to reinforce them a little bit, but they issued a a statement that didn't have anyone's name on it. 
it was weird. This is interesting. This is interesting because um, after he after he um, said that, obviously there was this huge outcry from, um, as we've mentioned, Republicans, Democrats, um, everyone, all sorts of everyone. <laughs> Nazis are bad. Turns out yeah. a lot of people don't like them. But then um, the White House um, was given a second chance. So reporters called the White House and said, "What did you mean by um, many sides? Are you sure you don't want to say Nazis are bad?" So then the White House releases. A- a statement which condemned white supremacists for the violence. Um, but what was so fascinating about it is that the spokesperson refused to even put their name on it. So it was obviously sufficiently controversial within the White House that they would not even allow a name to be put to this statement that named the white supremacists. So it still wasn't enough and there was still backlash, 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 people criticising him, criticising him. And if there's one thing Donald Trump can't handle, it's criticism. So two days later, just this morning, he comes out, he's back in Washington for something, and he makes a statement. The Department of Justice has opened a civil rights investigation into the deadly car attack that killed one innocent American and wounded 20 others. To anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Justice will be delivered. As I said on Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It has no place in America. And as I have said many times before, No matter the color of our skin, we all live under the same laws. We all salute the same great flag. And we are all made by the same almighty God. Mia, what were were your thoughts on that statement? I'd like to think that every time I think everyone will see through him now. They'll see that he's just done this in an opportunistic way to save his skin, um, to do the bare minimum and... It's not the statement that you make two days afterwards. It's the statement you make within an hour and people will see his true colours. But it seems that that his base are willing to accept any little crumb as evidence that he's still an awesome leader. Well, to me, yeah, to me what was so striking is that he took until the very last beat of the speech to come out and say racism is evil and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK and neo-Nazis, as if to say, like, this is a teachable moment about racism in all sorts of forms, as opposed to saying Nazis have no place in American streets. It was so grudging. Yeah, it was exactly grudging, and that's why I used in my intro that analogy of when you ask a child to apologise and they don't really want to, and they're just like, I'm Mm. sorry. To me, what is so evident, again, in this is such an example of how he has no ideology. He doesn't believe in anything except Trump. So the reason that he would not condemn it straight out is that he was worried about alienating these people who voted for him. Um, And Steve Bannon's been in his ear. There's now a lot of talk. There's a report out today in the New York Times from, from Maggie Haberman and Glenn Thrush that Rupert Murdoch and lots of other people are pressuring him to cut Steve Bannon loose that he's seen as this divisive, divisive figure. Um, but to me, he stands, I mean, he, we knew he stood for nothing. This has just shown us. This was kind of his Katrina, his Hurricane Katrina. And people talk about how that was just such a turning point for George Bush when there was a crisis and they needed a president to hold 
the country together and that just didn't happen. But do you think it'll have any impact? Do you really think it'll have any impact? No, and I've heard that Katrina parallel before and, you know, the thing that strikes me about that is um, Katrina involved a a complicated logistical response to Mm. a natural disaster there are already two major differences here. One, it's not a natural disaster. Two, it doesn't involve a logistical response. So you can't blame it on, well, there's chaos. We don't know what the best way to respond is. We don't know whether to bring in the National Guard. It's very clear here Mm. how to respond and when to respond. And he failed on both counts. And what, no, I don't, in answer to your question, I don't think it's going to make any difference with his base. What I do think is interesting about this, two things. One, the media... Um, is calling him out now in a way that I think is quite different to before because um, they're now calling his behaviour wrong. I think the media's turned on him. And two, What do you mean? They've always called his behaviour wrong. I've heard the White House criticise the media and say the media need to stop criticising Trump and criticise the white supremacists. If you look back on the election, there was a lot of equivalence between Hillary's email server and Donald Trump um, sexually assaulting women. And I think we've now seen a clear turn in the moral tide um, for the media's response to him. Secondly, we're seeing prominent Republicans um, realising that Nazis are not popular and breaking with Trump's Trump's statements. So... No, it's not going to make a difference to his base, but we have seen two key um, groups turn against him. Let's hope they stay that way. Okay, my friend, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully it will be more than a few days before we speak again. I can't believe we've gone from nukes to white supremacists. Imagine what we could have been talking about if Hillary was in the White House. I, I, just, I saw I saw a tweet the other day that said, okay, we're on the brink of nuclear war and there are Nazis in the streets. Is this pretty much just as bad as you imagined a Trump presidency would be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because if, you, if I don't, I'll cry. Thank you for listening to Tell Me It's Gonna Be Okay. I actually wish that there were longer between these episodes. Wouldn't it be lovely if there was just this piece of space of calm and just happy news when we didn't all need reassurance. Um, until then, I'll probably see you in five days. The best way to support us to keep making this show uh, is to subscribe to us in iTunes or download the Mamma Mia podcast app from the iTunes store, or the app store, in fact. If you leave us a rating, the higher the better, and a review, that will help other people find us more easily and uh, will also help us keep making this podcast. If you know a friend who would love this show, who's panicking about the world, who needs some reassurance and maybe a few lols, tell them about it. Everyone's looking for new podcasts and there are lots of people who are finding out about this through word of mouth. So grab their phone, subscribe them to it, send them a link to this episode. And we also have a Facebook page, which you probably know about. Um, That could be a good way to introduce someone to the podcast and the Facebook page. If you search Tell Me It's Going to Be Okay, you can find it. It's a Facebook page and you can also tell us what you are most worried about, what you want to talk, want us, what you want to talk us to talk about on the show, um, and just be with like-minded people who are freaking out a little bit right now. Tell me it's going to be okay. Is produced by Liza Ratliff for the Mamma Mia Women's Network. The executive producer of podcasts is Monique Bowley, and the head of content is Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman on behalf of me and my co-host Amelia Lester. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs>